Ooh, kids, it's Halloween time, October 25th, 2019. Grim Grinning Ghosts from Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. <laughs> oh, I like that song, Jason. Good job. <laughs> that song just makes me happy. Grim Grinning Ghosts about to socialize. We got to set the mood. <laughs> we are setting the mood, gang, because this is the All Hallows Eve show, uh, the show right before Halloween. And one year ago, it was like Jason's very first show with me. And I said, hi, Jason, lesbian witches and psychics. It was, and- yeah. Yeah, I just walked right into the studio, and we had all kinds of crazy things going on. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I knew it was going to be something fun. I thought it was a legal political show. What the heck is going on? They got lesbian witches on the show. Uh, all right, this year, because it's All Hallows' Eve, we, we are bringing in a little bit of the supernatural, magic, uh, whatever, new age, you know, LGBT people. We love Halloween. We love Halloween. It's make-believe. It's fantasy. It's the supernatural. It's magic. It's all those things. And uh, this is our holiday, our national holiday. So I've got three incredible guests coming on today. We are going to start out with the, uh, I just, uh, he's a, a walking saint. I just got to, David Kessler, walking saint among us. I love him. Um, he's an amazing guy. I met him when he was a nurse back in the 80s, uh, a nurse that was caring for more patients with HIV than anything else. And he went through all this incredible loss and uh, went on to become a published author and he now has a number one bestseller wow. on uh yeah on Amazon bestseller is called Finding Meaning which is about the sixth stage of grief and he's going to be talking about his book and he wrote this because his son uh, passed away and he thought he'd experience all forms of pain and grief and then losing a child really uh, caused him to you know go deeper into some of these issues anyway he is one of the founders of Project Angel Food Shanti uh, he was heavily inspired by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on the five stages of death and dying. And, uh, I mean, Mother Teresa was citing his work. Uh, uh, Marianne Williamson, who's running for president, uh, he, she and David co-founded uh, Project Angel Food together. And he has done more for so many people uh, on this planet than a lot of people I know. I just, I hold them in high reverence, high reverence. Anyway, I'm so happy he made time to come down and talk to us and uh, to talk about his new book, Finding Meaning. He'll be up first. Second, a returnee, Tyler Cassidy, a pal who owns the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, turns out that the incredible Judy Garland was disinterned uh, out of New York, and she was moved to Hollywood and to his cemetery. And uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery has such a lush history, and it's haunted, and it's been the scene and the site for all sorts of televisions and movies, including um, the American Horror Story used it. Uh, yeah, uh, six feet under was actually a television series developed about tyler and his brother owning the cemeteries and tyler is uh, this amazing uh, fabulous very funny very dry-witted gay man who uh it's going to be great to have him come back on the show and, and every year of course he does dia del, del muerto dia del muertos uh, day of the dead for the local latino community in the hollywood forever cemetery so He'll be talking about that. And then at the end of the show, we're bringing in Marcus Barrington, who is got this huge social media following, and he is uh, he reads Tara, and he does Zodiac, and he knows more. About, I had to do research this morning, gang. I'm not used to doing research before I do a show, but I had to remind myself about Tara cards and the wands and the cups and the coins and the... I already forgot the fourth category. Never even used any of that stuff. <laughs> but I'll be interested to see what's going yeah. to go on with that. 
Jason, we do a little white magic here oh, in the boy. studio. No <laughs> black magic, just white magic uh, here in the studio. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to push up against the edge uh, on Death and Dying with David Kessler. We're going to talk about Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where there's so many spirits still living. And then we're going to finish up with Zodiac and Tara. So yeah, this is a different version of Sidebar John Rand, but it is all Hallow's Eve. Halloween is next week. <laughs> Listen, if something weird or spooky happens into the studio today, uh, just, yeah, 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 just yeah. know it's not me. It's the spirit of Halloween. Yeah, the spirit of Halloween has <laughs> taken over the boards. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, gang. We're going to have just a great show today, so I'm glad you're tuning in, and I can hardly wait for you to hear all uh, each and every one of the three guests who are coming on as we all enter uh, Halloween. And Halloween, of course, I think is special to LGBT people because LGBT people throughout the centuries were persecuted for being different, for being odd, for being unusual, for being two-spirited, for being co-gendered or bi-gendered or gender fluid, uh, whatever it was, the people in those medieval times and other times uh, did not understand who we were. So what did they do? They burned us at the stake as witches. And the word faggot is actually uh, one of the sticks in a wood bundle that was used to set those flames of fire to burn warlocks and witches, which were primarily gay men and lesbians ah. that ancient people did not understand. So See, they burned looked, us at the stake. When I looked that word up on the dictionary, I just yeah. saw like bundle of sticks. Bundle and I, of sticks. And I always thought to myself, like, why is that associated? To start know? the fire. If you're going to burn someone at the stake for being a warlock or a witch. <laughs> there you go. They that's, that's the mentality back yeah, in the that day. That was well, it ain't too different today. Fortunately, <laughs> burning at the stake has been pretty much outlawed along with stoning. But we have yeah. been stoned. We have burned at the stake. Uh, we have been imprisoned. We have been persecuted. So you know what, kids? We own Halloween. It is time for the spirits to come back to life. And the witches and the warlocks take Santa Monica Boulevard and Greenwich Village and the Castro and every other town in this country. And this is our holiday. Hocus pocus. Boo. So off to the commercial break. When we come back, David Kessler will be our first guest. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Incredible Bob Dylan, I think. Is that Bob Dylan? Uh, actually, whose who's version is that, Jason, that you picked? I, I picked that song for David, knocking on uh, Adam's door. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> David Kessler, welcome to Sidebar. Uh, glad to be uh, here, John. So good to have you here. I was telling uh, It was Bob Dylan. Thank you. There All you right. go. Bob there Dylan. you go. <laughs> I was telling the audience before you came on that you and I go back to 1986, 87. Right, right. first right. met in the, like, the age Probably both in our 20s. We wow. were at Jason's age. We My were at Jason's age, age. <laughs> yeah. And being, you were a young nurse, I was a young lawyer, we were just starting life, and then an epidemic hit that none of us thought was coming. Right. How many bedsides do you think you were at in the AIDS epidemic? Hundreds, if not thousands. Wow. I mean, it was just, you know. Yeah. It's hard to even fathom what we did and how 
the human species adopts to what's going on around you. Right. And being in our 20s, we just didn't know it was supposed to be any different. <laughs> I mean, I'd come out of college and law school. You were starting nursing, and right. there we well, were. Well, and it's interesting because I was actually my field that I chose was end of life, hospice, grief, and loss. And so it was natural that I got involved in that. And after the crisis became more uh, a chronic manageable disease, people were like, why are you still doing the grief and loss? You know, it's manageable now. And I'm yeah. like, I was actually doing this before, before AIDS. Before <laughs> AIDS. Yeah. And I, had, I was supposed to be a corporate lawyer before wow. AIDS. And I am so glad in some ways that is one of the blessings of the right, epidemic. Right, it completely right. redirected and reshaped the rest of my life. I am a better, kinder, more loving person because of it. Me too. Yeah, very true. I you have a new book. I have a new you book. You have a new book, Finding Meaning: The Sixth Stage of Grief, and I, I know that uh, in part uh, the first five stages are Elizabeth Kubler Ross's right. on death and dying. I was really honored. She wrote them around dying in uh, uh, 1969 and on death and dying, and then in 2000, uh, her and I adapted them for grief. And the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Not everyone has to go through them in that order. They're not linear. They're not a map for grief. Uh, but I, I felt like we're a generation that wanted more than to just find acceptance. Right. I thought we want to find meaning. Mm. And I was so honored that her family, her uh, foundation, gave me permission to add a sixth stage to her iconic stages. Hmm. You know, and I, if I look back, because I, I, like you, I lost 104 friends between 85 and Oh my God, I've 95. never counted. I've oh, never I have counted. A, I, have, I kept a list. Wow. With, with every name wow. I kept. I actually didn't start with a list, but when it hit about 12 and 13, 14 friends, I was like, oh man, this is, this is not going to stop. This right. is not going to stop. Right. So I didn't want to forget them because they right. were all so treasured to right. me but um denial of course all these guys mostly guys all oh, there were a handful of women were, were, were first not willing to accept they had aids and then they got angry and angry at god and angry at church and angry at government and angry at us and angry at everybody and then into the bargaining stage of course you know trying to make right. peace with it right and then the sadness, and then finally the acceptance at the end. But not all of them, like you say, went. Some just got stuck at angry. Some of my friends just died angry. And on the other hand, anger is a fuel. My partner, Paul Denniston, talks about using anger as a fuel. Mm. Look at also the amazing things people did with their anger right, right. back then. Yeah. So, you know, all of these, you know, everything has both two sides. Mm. So the anger and denial is a healthy coping mechanism. I mean, if we felt all the pain, we couldn't have still functioned. No. So very true. Yeah. You know, I ended up hooked on booze and drugs. Right. That's how right, I dealt right. with like all the pain at the time. Not a healthy right. thing, but it was a twenty-something-year-old's right. decision. Sounds like it was a defense mechanism to protect yourself because part, you were scared, probably inside. In, in part, yeah. You know, I didn't want. I didn't know how to process it. Right. You know? Who, right. Who knows how to do that? It's, right. You know. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I, you know, your book is. I, I read. I read parts of it. I didn't get to read it all. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it on a plane. But I, I got to read parts. Talks about uh, the founder of Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Here's right. a really good example of somebody who tried to find meaning in the loss of her daughter. Right. right. Her daughter had been killed, mm -hmm. and she wanted to find meaning. And she did that by starting this organization that saved countless lives. Right. It still wasn't worth the cost of her dying. It didn't bring her daughter back, but it gave her life some meaning. And 
I also caution people in the book when they hear me talking about meaning. Not all of us are going to start big charities or big foundations, but we can have meaningful moments. And I think Mm -hmm. the thing that people don't realize is grief is not all pain. Grief is also love. Mm. How can we find a way to remember them, to honor them, to love them? And I'll tell you, the other thing I caution people right up front, so many friends are going through a horrible breakup, a horrible divorce, a betrayal, and they're they're saying they don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm like, you're in grief. And they're like, grief around divorce, breakup, betrayal? And I'm like, yes, that's grief. And people don't realize... As I maybe sometimes talk about death, I always tell people, if you have a breakup, it's the death of that relationship. Mm. If you have a divorce, it's the death of that marriage. If you have a job loss, it's the death of that job. And we minimize those griefs and saying, oh, well, this one doesn't count because no one died. No, it still counts. Mm. It's still painful. It's still grief. Mm. And we want to find meaning. Mm -hmm. And part of my work is whatever you've been through, whether it's a death, whether it's a breakup, a divorce, I want to help you become whole again for what comes next. Mm. Rather than taking your broken self to the next relationship, to the next job, do you know what they did to me at my last job, right? How many of us have seen that and done that? Right. Or a loved one dies. How do we live a life that's not broken because of their death, but honors their life? Mm. And that's the finding meaning. You know, my Latino culture, Dia de los Muertos, right. obviously, and, and Coco, right. so oh, beautifully. love Coco. <laughs> and I wrote about Coco in the book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Coco was so brilliant because it's, it took this cultural thing that I'm familiar with, maybe others were not, and, and talked about how we end up revering and remembering those And as love. long as we remember them, they remain alive. They remain alive, which is the whole story of Coco. Right. I absolutely love that. Right. Uh, the next guest, Tyler Cassidy, he has turned Hollywood Forever Cemetery into Dia Los Muertos for most of October. Wow. It's really, really an amazing thing. Yeah, your um, your book uh, towards the end it it, it talks about uh, at the end of your life all the cars you had, all the houses you had, all the great jobs you had. None of that is really going to matter. Right at the right. end. Right. And and all that's going to matter is how you loved and how right. who you loved and who loved you in return. I mean that's right. And part of this also was my own journey. Um, You know, I adopted two kids from the foster system uh, when they were four and five years old. Mm. And one had been, um, uh, my younger son David had been drug exposed, prenatally drug exposed. And I, I had thought like love would overcome that. And I didn't realize the damage that does. And when he became a teenager, he started dealing with, um, uh, you know, going out, trying drugs with friends. And it's interesting, in my day, in yours, right. it was... Marijuana. Marijuana, Maybe a little cocaine. booze, yeah, yeah. coke at the most. Right. And like, when he first told me the first drug he tried at 16 was crystal meth. Aye, I'm like, aye, aye. what? What? Your friends introduced you to what? And he called and he said, I need help. And that became five, six years of just dealing with rehabs and program and all that, which I'm already familiar with. And unfortunately, at 21 years old, right after his birthday, he died unexpectedly Mm -hmm. from an overdose. 
and it was just heartbreaking. And I had written this proposal about meaning, and I remember after he died, I canceled everything. And then a couple of months later, I found this proposal around meaning, and I'm like, yeah, like that's gonna help with this pain. And I read it, and it didn't take the pain away, but it began to help me see a cushion and a way to honor him. Well, this is a good place to stop because we have to go to commercial. All right. When we come back, that's exactly where we're going to pick up. We're talking to David Kessler, Finding Meaning, the Sixth Stage of Grief. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Annie Lennox, Into the West. Oh, such a beautiful song. We're talking to David Kessler, noted author. What's the fifth book you've written, I think? Uh, it's the sixth. Sixth book. But who's <laughs> counting, right? Who's counting? <laughs> Published author, number one on Amazon, bestseller right now, uh, David Kessler's book on finding meaning. David, um, we were talking about uh, the loss of your son, right. David, and how that became, in essence, I think, the impetus for you to write this book. Yeah? Absolutely. I, I really had to think about you know we and I talk about this in the book whether it's the breakup divorce betrayal whatever someone die we have to consciously or unconsciously make a decision what we're going to do who we're going to be for the rest of our lives yeah yeah. and I really thought he loved my work he came to my lectures and I thought he would never want his death to constrict my work. He would want Mm -hmm. to to expand it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of this is teaching people how to get through the worst moments of their life. And he's a little bit of that teacher now. Mm. So I do this in his honor. That's awesome. I, you know, as I was reading your book last night, I, I broke down and cried twice. <laughs> okay, and, I, and I'm just reading like the parts you told me to focus on. My mom passed away uh, mm-hmm. two years ago. I let my she was very close. She was a school board member and elected. Tell me official. her first name. Gloria. Okay. Gloria. I always want yeah. to name people. Yeah. They're people. They're not losses. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Right. Uh, and I was reading it, and there was a part of the book that you wrote that just resonated with me so strongly. You know, my mom's life story is over. It's it's Correct. over and everything that she and did that's the and brutality done. of the yeah. loss yeah. that we have to accept and you know we have to find those ways not right. easy to do right but mine isn't my life isn't your over. isn't and yeah. your life can honor her life right right and that's it and and that was what you encourage people to do to be curious about right. what the rest of my life has in store for me. And I'll tell you, I meet so many people at lectures and retreats and events, whether it's for a breakup, divorce, betrayal, or a loved one dying, who have just shut down. And I think, you know, there's something you and I experienced early on in the AIDS crisis that, like, shutting down was not an option. No, we couldn't. And I think because that was ingrained in us in our 20s, you just keep going. And so I really had to think back on... What's the essence? What's the sparks of that like? How can I teach people when bad things happen to continue on? Because trauma, death, breakups, divorce, they all slow us down. Mm. 
and you still have life. Don't waste it. Yeah. No, no. Very, very true. This is the stuff that's at the center of, I think, all spirituality, all right, spiritual programs, right. is to find meaning in the trauma and, and the loss. Correct. And, that, and, that's and, and so meaning does not book. take away the trauma or the death. It's right. never going to take away the pain. But it adds to it. It gives you a cushion. Right. And, and something uh, you wrote about the six different types of meaning. Another thing that resonated in your book is that uh, finding meaning in all this. Like I find meaning in my legal and political work because of the lessons I learned through the AIDS crisis. It doesn't take away from the pain I feel for the 104 friends who died. In fact, I wish they were all still here. Correct. Like that's never going to right. be right. And it's also, it's meaningful moments. You know, to recognize right here in the now you and I who have known each other for decades right. are having meaningful moments. Right, right. It doesn't take away the pain of your mother dying. It doesn't take away the pain of my son dying. But we can have a meaningful moment that's meaningful between us and actually honors and remembers both of them. Both David and Gloria right. are remembering right. both of them right now, Mom, as we talk. Right. right now as we talk. You are starting a national book tour, right? I am. Yeah. 30 cities, three countries. Yeah, I'm going to like almost every, every city, city where we're you're broadcasting at. In. And so you have a, you have I have, a website about I have, where right. you're going to be? Grief.com. You can go there. I have events all listed there. You can see them. I have one-day events, some more uh, an all-day event, summer bookstores, all kinds of different things in different places in the U.S., U.K., Australia. And um, I'm also, for people when they order the book, I'm giving away a free online video series because this can be hard to help people through these yes. times. Yeah, yeah. So they can also find that at grief.com or sixstage.com. They yeah. can find that. Yeah. My mom was a very spiritual woman uh, her entire life. And and the way she dealt with death and dying was that people just transitioned. And maybe that's part of the Latino culture around Dia de los Muertos, which Tyler Cassidy, our next guest, and I are going to talk about. But she, uh, she never believed that death was an end. And I still feel her presence now and today and I can still feel like nudges from her people call them coincidence to me they're nudges from right. from beyond well and I don't believe birth is a beginning and death is an ending yeah you have a great analogy about the two twins in the womb I love that I know, in your book I know that's that's really <laughs> that a touch to my heart that they can't debate like there's no life after this there's no life after <laughs> being in the womb yeah. this idea of the mother yeah. this big thing that's taking care yeah, of us what a ridiculous we can't concept. see her. We've never met her. Right, so maybe right. she doesn't exist. There is no mother taking care of us. What a ridiculous concept. <laughs> I think that's so right. great. David, I have to tell you, because uh, I've known you so long, you, uh, and I described you this way, I want to do it face to face. You are a walking saint among us. You are oh, a walking you're so sweet. saint in the I am pretty flawed, community. just so you know. I'm <laughs> I'm a good person with lots of flaws, but I appreciate the comment. <laughs> what did Oscar Wilde say about saint and sinners? And every sinner there is a saint and every saint there is a pastor. I don't know. Right, right. Phenomenal about. people, phenomenal flaws, all those good things. <laughs> all those things. But I, I know that every all the lessons you acquired through the AIDS epidemic and all the work you did with Marianne Williamson right. starting Project Angel Food and then with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross even Mother Teresa was citing yeah, your she work. She was very kind. And, she, and, you know, John, the other thing I just wanted to mention, in sort of our new world, I can remember growing up with peers who their parents were in the Holocaust. Mm. And they said no matter what happened in their life, their parents would go, well, it wasn't as bad as what we went through. Right, right. And young gay men have been saying to me, like, their grief doesn't get witnessed because they sort of hear from their elders, yeah, you should have been around when it was a funeral it was every AIDS, week. Right. 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 And I tell people, 
their grief matters, their hardship matters. Young people, we have to be there for them knowing they didn't know what we know and they didn't go through what we went through, but what they're going through is equally as hard for them. That's right. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's a really good message because I know we got a lot of millennials listening right now on their laptops and everything. And one right across the right uh, across the way. Right across the way there. <laughs> right. I say all tears count, whether they're breakups, divorce, betrayal, whatever it is. All tears count, and we want to find the life after. Awesome. David, we're going to have to wrap it up. Grief.com is your Grief. website. Grief.com. 28 cities coming up. 30 cities. 30 You're c- in 28. I'm in 30. <laughs> I, I, I said to the publisher, I need more cities than John. <laughs> and you got them. Good luck on your bo- Thank book tour. You. Thank you for changing hearts and minds around death and dying and finding meaning in life. That's just beautiful, babe. Thank you, beautiful. John. When we come back, we'll be talking to Tyler Cassidy in Hollywood Forever Cemetery about all the fun stuff happening over there. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hollywood forever. Do you know this song by the L.A. Guns is about your cemetery? Yeah, there's a few of them about us. (laughs) Gang, we're here with Tyler Cassidy, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And the wonderful David Kessler has stayed on to interview Tyler with me. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler, you got to hear a bit about about David's uh, share because you were here in studio while we were talking with him. You've got a big event coming up, uh, Dia de los Muertos at the cemetery. Yes. Tell me what's coming up. It is our 20th anniversary of doing this in Los Angeles, and there will be at least 30,000 people who come there throughout the day. Uh, There'll be five stages, but the heart of it is um, the altars, the altars that are created by uh, different families for people they've lost. Afrendas. Afrendas, that's it. Yes, and that's that's a tradition from Mexico. Many people might have seen the movie Coco. Yes, love Coco. Yes, so this is a a Mexican tradition that happens especially in cemeteries uh, around this time, All Souls Day, and it is truly... Uh, a fiesta and a cemetery where the families come together with offerings for uh, those they've lost and they believe that especially at this time the veil between uh, the living and the dead is lifted. It's true. So if with love and offerings you can call your dead to return for this night, that's the night they can visit you as you you welcome them with their favorite drink, their favorite even cigarettes I've seen on altars and musicians. Throughout the cemeteries there are musicians playing their favorite songs and so they evoke the presence of the spirit of those they've lost with this type of love this is so amazing because uh, for a lot of people a lot of cultures cemeteries are supposed to be sad and sorrowful and dark and kind of creepy and you're having a party well i it's been a learning process you know i've been here for 20 years and my co-founders uh daisy marquez and celine marez they took me to the heart of this tradition which is a pre-christian tradition in mexico and it especially happens in 
in Michoacan and Oaxaca. Hmm. And I have been in those cemeteries making altars with, with uh, the villagers throughout the night wow. and feeling the true presence, smelling the copal. And so coming back here, since so many of our clients have Latino heritage, uh, it was also important for especially Daisy Marquez to let their children know about this tradition because unlike in the U.S., for me, as going there, it was such a healthy response to death. It was such mm. a, okay, let's use our memory and our love and our creativity in this darkness to call them back. Mm. And it just spoke to me as in terms of what a cemetery could be in the U.S. So in the beginning, uh, no cemeteries allowed this. The Catholic Church really didn't like it. It was There were too many you know things that weren't... It, there are definitely Aztec and Indian traditions in there, and we keep those very much alive. But I am very proud to say that now the largest cemeteries, including Forest Lawn, Rose Hills, they're all they're all doing it now, especially because, you know, we're in a Latino city and this is their heritage. And you created it here, man. I, they're all following your lead. Leave it to the gay. Leave it to the gay <laughs> to lead the way. <laughs> I helped foster it. It's it, it was meant to be here. But uh, yeah. I think especially being in Hollywood, I've loved seeing it echo through uh, through the through film. There's been multiple movies where it's occurred, and uh, it's even you know James Bond. It's very funny. Created an opening sequence uh, in their latest James Bond about a parade in Mexico City that about Day of the Dead. It actually didn't exist, hmm. but now they saw that in Mexico City now they have this biggest parade in the world now wow. for Day of the Dead well and the other thing I was going to say that's the, the other side of what you're doing is we live in such a grief illiterate society yes. that when families come together it's teaching them the kids and everyone how to have a connection mm. with those who are no longer with us mm. and it's also it's very i think important that you say that because we have halloween of course but it's it's become very much candy and costumes and spookiness and can we be afraid it's quite the opposite in this tradition where death is personified. That's mm. the tradition of the skulls, the calaveras, the catrinas. Death is adorned, decorated, and the children are especially welcomed into this event because it's right. when not only they can learn about their ancestors who are dead, they can also realize that death is you know, the, the other aspect of life. Mm. It, not to ignore right. it, but to embrace it, right. dance with it, and, and even joke with it. And death could Absolutely. be a celebration that there was life. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's that's the meaning. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank, you, Jason. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. Hi, Jason. I didn't know you were allowed to talk. Yeah, I'm around. Yeah, oh, great. He's been here for a year. He, oh, yeah. nice. he joins the conversation every week now. He's the voice of the millennials. <laughs> yes, he is. Now, your cemetery is, uh, originally it was 100 acres. Correct. And like 40 acres ended up becoming Paramount pictures yes right, right yes and then mr roth i think was the owner jules roth jules yes, roth yes. ended up giving away three acres to make some quick money on santa monica boulevard Correct. to create yeah. the mall yeah. but then you and your family kind of moved in and you took this cemetery out of bankruptcy and created cinespia uh, showing a movies in there and now day of the dead you've created all this life around something that I think for a lot of Americans, eyes go up like, what? In a cemetery? Right. And I think, you know, it's it's also very hard, I think, for a lot of Americans to understand uh, Hollywood, the place on this earth, as a place in Los Angeles 20 years ago was going through a very tough time. Mm. You know, it was in a severe depression. All the businesses had left. Things were shut up, shut down. And so cemeteries echo the places around them of the living. And so 
its cemetery went bankrupt. Mm. Mm. And that's when I came in, but very much uh, just like the city around the cemetery, it came back. Yeah. You know, it cycles. This, the cemetery came back, and then Hollywood has high-rises popping up everywhere. But we had to do events like the movies and uh, the concerts to pay the water bill in the beginning. Right. <laughs> they actually created a TV series about your family called Six Feet Under, right? Uh, loosely, very loosely. Lo- loosely based. Loosely. Yeah. They killed the father in the first episode. He gets hit by a bus. So that's the main character in my family. (laughs) When we come back from commercial break, let's talk about moving Judy Garland over to Hollywood Forever because I'm sure the gay audience wants to know all about that. The gays. All right. Thanks for tuning in, gang, here on Channel Q. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. That's Ghost and Stuff by Dead Mouse. I picked that for you, Tyler. Ty Ty. That's so sweet. <laughs> Gang, we're talking to Tyler Cassidy, uh, owner and operator of Hollywood Forever Cemetery. David Kessler is still with us on his book, Finding Meaning and, and uh, in Grief. And we're joined by Marcus Barrington, who will be my next guest, who uh, talks to people on the other side, Medium, Tara Cards, and Zodiac. We thought we'd throw him into the conversation since he happened to be in the studio early. So, yes, to all my guests, we're having a big old spookathon going on. No, it's Spook. not. It's not, it's not spooky. It's a, it's a connection-a-thon. It's a connection-a-thon. Tyler, you just moved Judy Garland to Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And I know that we got Hattie McDaniel is there, the first African-American to win an Oscar. Cenotaph, actually, yeah. It's, a, it's okay. Keep going. Oh, Cenotaph. I don't yeah. even know what a Cenotaph it's, is. Uh, her spirit is there, but she's buried in another cemetery. Oh, yeah. you and you put that up, that tribute she up She wasn't to allowed to be buried Because no time. blacks were allowed to be buried Correct. in a even white they cemetery. won an Academy Award. They won Even as the first wow. black to win wow. the Academy Award, she was not allowed in an all-white cemetery. Yes, I believe she's buried at Rosedale. Yeah. Thank you for putting up that, what did you call it? Cenograph? Cenotaph. Cenotaph to Hattie McDaniel. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Janet Gaynor is there. Yes. Cecil B. DeMille is mm-hmm. there. Uh, Faye Ray of King Kong fame is at your cemetery. Mm-hmm. All these Hollywood luminaries. And Judy Garland got moved from Ferndale in New York to your cemetery. Why? She did get moved. Uh, her family at the time, I don't know if you, let's see, what was his name? You just told me. Mickey, Mickey. Deans. Mickey. Her last husband was Mickey Deans. And he. she died, I believe, in London. And then she was um, taken to Frankie Campbell, the famous funeral home in New York. And then Mickey decided to put her in Ferncliff. And Liza, Lorna, and... Um, the boy. <laughs> the brother. The brother. I, I don't know Liza and Lorna's brother's name. Frank. No, that's no, that's Frank Manella. Uh, you know what? It'll come to me for It'll come to me it. too. We're all we're all having a senior moment. Millennial? Before my time, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> I will. All right. Use my smartphone. <laughs> Uh, they didn't have a chance to really participate in the decision-making. They were there at the funeral, the famous funeral, which really kicked off the gay movement. That's right. Stonewall night three, day, three weeks later. But yeah. then her turn, internment at Ferncliff they didn't have any part of. 
So I think, especially as they all ended up moving to California as time went on, um, especially Lorna, it meant a lot for her to, to move Judy out here so they could all be closer to her and so that her family could be close to her as well. Mm. Which really plays into the conversation you and David and I were having before the the uh, the uh, commercial break. Yes, I guess I took it personally when you said the story. The story ends, <laughs> but I think I think the story keeps on going. And there's a part in this very forgetful culture where our job as living people is to remember and to keep them alive through memory and mm. through you know, celebrations like we're talking about. That's and, beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it was Joey. Joey, Joey's the brother. Joey is the brother. and Lorna. I know Jason. You I'm don't even know this. Okay. There's a movie <laughs> out you can there's see about this. With Renee yes, that's true. Called yeah, that's Judy. True. When was this released? Just, just now. Oh, I love oh. millennials. Uh, Judy Garland <laughs> was an iconic figure for the gay people. I know you've searched for it on Netflix. Well, oh, somewhere oh, over Netflix. the rainbow. Oh, okay, because I don't go to movie theaters anymore. So, uh, <laughs> you okay. know. What are those? <laughs> It'll be streaming at a service. Awesome. <laughs> got you. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> Tyler, um, your uh, cemetery gets used a lot for movie making. American Horror Story yes. filmed an episode there. And, and uh, Under the Silver Lake. I was watching Under the Silver Lake, yes. and, and I went, I know that place. Yeah. I, I, I do. I'd say with the most beautiful filming I've seen in, in recent memory, I just was watching last week, and it is a wild watch. It's wonderful. It's um, Transparence Finale, and it is just a wonderful celebration of the cemetery. Uh, the, the director, Jill Soloway, she really got the mood of the place she also worked on six feet under mm. and it was just wonderful to see someone's vision like that capture it so yeah yeah but it's it's probably if you're ever watching a favorite character die on csi or or something there's it's often we're we're burying sometimes in a week just as many uh fake dead people as we are real <laughs> dead people <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. Gang, if you have, I, I guess I met you, what, 15, 20 years ago? I don't even remember. It's been a while. About 19. 19 years yeah. ago. And they said, you got to meet this Tyler Cassidy. He's dry. He's witty. He's attractive. All those things. I'm like, I'm down. I, I will go out and meet this Tyler Cassidy fellow. And the first thing I noticed, there were peacocks strutting all over the cemetery. Yeah. What yeah. is the story with the peacocks? They're just uh, they're, they're very kind of symbolic, magical bird for us. Uh, we read a story when we first got there, my assistant did, that Cecil B. DeMille used to come and collect the peacock feathers and take them to uh, the dress department at the studios. And so we knew that there'd been peacocks there, so we just returned them. And now we have, oh, we've got like 45 plus with eight babies this year. So if anyone out there wants a peacock, <laughs> we have many available on an annual basis. Your neighbors side business. Yeah, your neighbors will hate you though because they're very loud, squawky birds. Yeah. Well, it's also part of, I guess it's an American cemetery thing where as much as death is the hardest thing we face and through landscape, through uh, peacocks, through lakes, through, we have, 80 cats through burst of life we also like to that can be very healing in the environment of death 
Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I want to thank you, too. You have sort of created a, a part of the cemetery for LGBT people. My dear friend, friend of David and mine, Bob right. Craig, who started Frontiers News Magazine, was going to be buried without any recognition of who he was or what and he gave. And he's so iconic And he's so iconic. All He's Christopher Street West, a Frontiers News right. Magazine. And you heard about it, and you decided that was not acceptable, and you made a tribute to Bob Craig in your cemetery. That is, I think that's near when we had just met. Yes, and yeah. that was that was me seeing um, the West Hollywood founders come out who were still living, mm-hmm. and I believe future mayor of Yeragosa spoke at that funeral. It yes. was the first time I'd ever heard. It was really, I could tell his importance as you often can from a person you've never met by those who have come. Wow. Yeah, yeah I can tell he was a great man. Well, thank you for taking such good care of LGBT people who are buried there. I mean, there's a Jewish se- section of the cemetery. There's an LGBT section. There's obviously a Latino section for Dia de los Muertos. And, uh, and there are actually many gays, you might imagine, who want to be as close to Judy Garland as possible. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'm in. That's a separate gay section. <laughs> we have got to stop before we uh, return with Marcus Barrington. But I want to thank you for coming by. My and pleasure. Sherry, good to see and, you. and good luck with Dia de los Muertos and bringing Coco to life in 3D. I love that. Gang, when we come back, we'll be talking to Marcus Barrington who's going to take us over the veil with uh, Tara and Zodiac. And uh, thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sympathy for the Devil, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. That's the song I picked for you, Marcus. Right, <laughs> I love it. A lot of people, Marcus Barrington is with us, and we still have in studio Tyler Cassidy from Hollywood Forever Cemetery and David Kessler from Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief. We're all in studio because we're having an All Hallows Eve show. All Hallows Eve, where the veil is lifted, and Marcus, the work you do with uh, divination and tarot cards and zodiac, I think a lot of people have a perception, right or wrong, that it's black magic or it's evil or it's something tarot that shouldn't often, be played with. Yeah, tarot is often considered to be black magic, but it's definitely not. Um, a lot of the early history of tarot, a lot of people believe it came from the Egyptians, but the first kind of recorded um, history of tarot comes from the 14th century in the Roman Empire. Okay. So it was originally actually a playing card game. Really? Yes. All right. And then it later started to develop into Greek mythology and all kinds of stuff. And I think it even goes back somewhere to the Greeks. The Greeks and then the, the Romans. Greeks are, the Greeks put a lot of their mythology on the Zodiac and also on astrology as well. So okay. they put a lot there. But the astrology goes all the way back to the Babylons about 2,000 years ago. Okay. So i got to say, looking at you, you are like, okay, gorgeous, beautiful, tatted up, 
muscular WeHo Boy 101. <laughs> and you're talking about ancient cultures and mythology and things that a lot of people maybe just have, you know, read their Zodiac in the newspaper in the morning every now and then. But you have a deeper understanding. Why? I do. I, so what I try to do with my readings is a little bit different than what most people do. I try to bring astrology, tarot, and medium work all into the same reading, right? So the main focus is going to be the tarot cards when we sit down to read. But I believe that all that stuff is accessible magic and it all works together. So I really try to bring everything into one reading. I'll talk about your zodiac placements. I'll talk about your astrology placements. Tarot really allows me to dive very deep emotionally and mentally into what's going on with the actual person. Okay, what we're hearing in the background? What is going on? I don't right know. Now? I don't know what you're sourcing right now. <laughs> what but... <is> <laughs> I'm freaking out here. Yeah, I'm freaking out. We're obviously lifting the veil in studio as we speak. I have a big posse that follows me around. I, I believe, and I'm very. And I, my mom used to tell me we had The Shining, and I did have to actually see the movie The Shining to understand yeah. what that is. But it runs in my family too. All right. Well, we're going to bring a few spirits into the room. Um, <laughs> that what you uh, what you do uh, isn't. What, how did you learn it? I mean, how, you're, you're a very young man. How did you learn all this? How did you finally discover doing this? It all started for me about 12 years ago when my sister and I rented a cabin with some friends in Kewanee, Wisconsin. And the t there was a tarot master there. And she said, can I read your cards? And back then it was like, whatever, lady. You know, like I didn't believe in that stuff. So she read my cards and I didn't believe in anything she had said. And after we were done, she said, just so you know, you have the gift of to read. So if you ever want me to train you, let me know. I was like, yeah, sure. And about three months later, everything she said started happening to like very specifically. So I went running back to her <laughs> and we spent several years working together and training me. Wow. Wow, that, that, that's pretty cool. Okay, I'm going to do my really quick story of the one and only time I had my tarot <laughs> cards read. It was 1984. Georgia Garrett Norris and Marjorie Rushforth. Remember those lesbians, right. David? No. I was their law clerk. This is law <laughs> You wouldn't, Jason. <laughs> they took me to this guy. He was blind. Oh. He had a featherless bird that had plucked all its feathers out. He had a hairless dog <laughs> from Egypt, and he was going to read my tarot cards. And as he's laying the cards out, I'm thinking, but you're blind. How, you, you can't see the cards. <laughs> right. You know, and he said, I see here you're going to pass the bar the first time. I'm like, okay, 40% of people pass the bar the first time. And I see you're going to become a prominent lawyer, and people are going to know your name. You're going to do a lot of great things. But the price you will pay is your heart will be pierced over a hundred times with such pain and agony, you will wish that you did not have a heart. And I was like, what the... That's it freaky. Happened. Yeah. And I walked out, and that came true. I lost 104 mm. friends then from that 85 to 95. He saw that. This yep. boy, and I, that, so I've never gone back. Maybe I'll go back because you're cute. Maybe you I'll go back again. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a reason to go back. Use your marketing tools, right? I gotta yeah. use my marketing tools. You have a social media following. You give, I, I think, readings on Instagram. I give what? daily astrology stuff. So because I always found the horoscopes that are out there for people are very vague and confusing and they also lack the emotional methodical part of, of like astrology and so I try to break it down for people so that they can understand it a little bit more in a more casual sense and also talk about like what the magic is that's going to affect them if you think about it because people say to me all the time do you really believe 
that astrology and the sun and Mercury and they play a role. So the moon is the closest orbiting body to us, right? Its gravitational pull on Earth actually pulls the water up in the oceans towards it and creates the waves on our planet. Humans are made of 75-80% water, right? So I have three very close friends that are all nurses in the ER and they will all attest to the fact that a full moon means they're going to have a crazy night. That's true. That's just one orbiting body that yeah. is, has a gravitational pull on us. All the planets and all the asteroids have pulls on us and energy fields that affect us. So it, it to me, yes, it is very, very real. Hmm. Anybody want? Iowa, um, the, the 12 uh, symbols of the zodiac, zodiac sign, yeah. they go back also to ancient The Babylonians times, were the right? ones that really started to create that. Um, they used it to actually forecast the weather. So for them, they would notice that when during one of the sun's lunations, it was the rainy season that was Aquarius. So they, aqua- they equated Aquarius with the rainy season. So they did it to track the weather. And then Greek mythology really started to kind of like dominate that and give it its history that it has now. And, and it follows the, the Jupiter cycle. It's a Jovian cycle, right? It's a Jovian cycle. Because they weren't aware of all the planets when they created this. Okay. They were only aware of the five planets. And so they would look at it, for instance, they would look at Mars and they saw that Mars was red. So they equated that to aggression and war. Thus, Mars became the god of war. Hmm. When people have their zodiac red, uh, I, I mean, it, it, and it could come true as mine did but people have the ability to make change or... yeah so I'm definitely not one of the tarot card readers that thinks I do what's called a Celtic cross it's a 10 card spread there's two future positions the 6th and the 10th those are future I don't believe that what's in the 6th and 10th position is written in stone once you have foreknowledge of the future you have the ability to change it but if you stay the course it's what most likely will happen and I'm trying not to be a doom and gloom tarot reader but yes sometimes we I do have difficult cards that show up in difficult places. For instance, the devil card reversed. That's everything bad. That can be drug addiction, that can be abuse, that can be suicidal thoughts. And when that's at your third position, I have to confront that. I have to say what I see, that there's toxic, bad behavior. And so a lot of my readings, I've lost count of how many people have broken down into tears during my readings. And then there's also the medium aspect of it where their spirit guides will step forward and start communicating. And then I kind of relay those messages as well. It's interesting. You know, I get asked all the time about mediums, and I do an event every year on the East and West Coast called Grieving to Believing, where it's myself, my partner, Paul Deniston, who does grief yoga, and we have a medium. And, you know, one of the questions I've always gotten asked is, should people in grief go to mediums? And my answer is always like, I would never tell anyone in grief what they should or shouldn't do. Right. But the reality is people in grief do go to mediums. Hmm. And you just want to make sure that they're safe, they're responsible, they're reliable mediums. And I like the idea that you understand the future is not necessarily written. Mm -hmm. Because I believe we all have such free destiny. Absolutely. It's it's funny, too, because, you know, very rarely or really never, no one comes to a tarot reader when things are great, right? Everything's perfect. They come when they're confused or they're lost or they're upset or they're grieving for the loss of somebody that they care about. And so you have to you do have to be gentle and be careful. But it, it my my readings are all about healing and all about understanding difficult obstacles that are either a going on now or B are coming so that we need to prepare for it or change the course so that we can learn the lesson without going through the pain. You, the conversation that we are having right now 
in medieval times would have caused all of us to burn at the witches, stake. Witches, yeah. Witches and warlocks, <laughs> just on the conversation we're having. And we, Jason and I were talking when the show started about a bundle of sticks, the word faggot comes from uh, lighting the the wood under the witches and warlocks that medieval people would burn. They were often LGBT people Mm -hmm. or people who were gender fluid or people who were considered odd or queer or didn't fit in. And our our people have been historically persecuted. And uh, I love that you are just like doubling down on the gift that you have. It took me a long time. I mean, so almost every member of my family is empathic. So as a child, I was constantly bared down by other people's emotions. But I didn't understand that. So it wasn't until I got much older um, that I was able to start wrapping my mind around. There was no literature available to me. There was nothing out there as a child. And so now there's so many books about it and so many teachings about it that have helped me to really kind of overcome that and learn how to use it to help others. Gang, we got to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Marcus Barrington, medium, David Kessler, author, Tyler Cassidy, all-around fabulous cemetery person. (laughs) And, of course, Jason the Millennial at the boards. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. That's Scorpio Rising by Adam Ant. That is so ironic because during the break, we were just talking about what we were... And this is like, everything is coming loose. The wheels are falling off the cart, Jason. We, I we got, what's going on, We man. got a ghost in the studio that just talked to the four of us. Gang, we're here with Marcus Barrington. What is going on? <laughs> Okay, did you do that? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Oh, you are playing with me, man. You are working me. Bad millennial. <laughs> We're here with Marcus Barrington, uh, a gay, I guess, gay medium, for lack of a better description. Tyler Cassidy, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and David Kessler, Finding Meaning, the Sixth uh, Phase of Grief. Um, and those are my guests, and we're talking about all things uh, in and over and between the veil. And uh, during the break, Marcus, you were saying that we are, we've all entered Scorpio. We sure have. So we are in Scorpio season, and Scorpio is a couple of things. He's the most secretive sign of the zodiac, but also the most emotional and the most sexual. So in Scorpio season, we have something very unique happening, which is a Mercury retrograde. Now, that in itself is not unique, but it actually starts on Halloween, which is crazy, right? Nothing happens by coincidence. So there's another aspect to this. I'll get back to the Mercury retrograde in a second, but Venus is going to be a part of this Mercury retrograde for the first three days. So Venus is currently in Scorpio. She doesn't like being in Scorpio. No offense to the Scorpios out there. <laughs> My ex was a Scorpio. I completely get it. I'm so, a Scorpio. Oh, there you, and that's why you're screwing with me. Damn it, kid. <laughs> when Venus is in Scorpio, she's considered to be in the sign of her detriment, right? But she's particularly angled today and now going until about November 3rd, where she's going to be on fire in Scorpio. So you can see a lot of like passionate love affairs kicking in. You can feel particularly frisky, naughty at this time. But also, once Mercury goes retrograde on Halloween, Venus is going to get 
super fired up. So the first three days of the Mercury retrograde, starting on October 31st and then going until November 3rd, is going to be literally insane. Venus is essentially going to be on her way out of Scorpio, and she's going to slam that door hard and cause as much trouble as she can right before she goes. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm worried already what that means for Santa Monica Boulevard on Halloween night. Yeah, it is literally Halloween night is going to be incredibly intense. There's no like bad aspects out there, right? There's no big like explosion aspects, um, but it's definitely going to be a wild time. And this particular Mercury retrograde is going to be heavy into our past aspects. So you could, a lot of people are going to see their past coming screaming into their presence. So you'll see ex-lovers, you'll see ex-friends, ex-fears, insecurities, all kinds of things from the past are going to be coming up. That always happens with Mercury retrograde. But when Mercury retrograde is happening in Scorpio, he's going to bring all of the secrets to the surface, all the juicy ones, right? And they can be ones that like really mess with you, but they can also be ones where it's like, oh, great. I didn't know that. That's amazing. But it's going to be a mess of uh, a mix of all of it. I don't, you know, this is just a fascinating, if you play one more creepy thing in my ears, I am going to throw this Red no, no. Bull can at you, okay? I'm going to be honest with you, the first sound we heard wasn't me. That wasn't That you. wasn't me, okay. but this one was. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah. I, I, my train of thought is completely gone now. But I, um, the, the new, okay, I have a, just enough Christian upbringing to be dangerous to myself and others. That's what I tell people, right? And I know that in the New Testament that uh, Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. And mm-hmm. the gifts of the Spirit include prophecy and the interpretation of tongues and uh, there's nothing scary about it I mean even ancient people in the time of Jesus and the Romans were talking about these gifts that exist and I think you are exemplifying that for me right now because you're just talking and I'm like wow I could listen to you and, and I have on Instagram I've watched you and say okay I gotta be careful because my Venus is in retrograde I hate when that happens but he hide well you know and also we're we're also forgetting a key ingredient that happens on the 31st where the veil between the living and the dead is at its weakest, right? Yes, so we that have, I believe. We have that happening. We have the retrograde starting. We have Venus like stirring up as much trouble as she possibly can. And for those of you who don't know, Venus controls love, passion, emotions. You can expect your emotions to be on fire. You'll probably run into a... Like, people that you haven't talked to or don't want to talk to uh, on Halloween. <laughs> it's, they're, like, me as somebody who can see this stuff coming for a while because I can pull the aspects whenever I want to, I'm actually super nervous about going. <laughs> like, wow. It's going to be a crazy night for sure. So you're a Scorpio. I'm, so a, does, I'm a Libra. Does this so. pertain just to Scorpios? No, no, no. This is for everybody. For everybody. But because this is happening within Scorpio, yeah. you will definitely feel it the most. Fantastic. So any secrets that you're worried about coming out, just let them out now yourself. <laughs> Just get ahead you of it. You want to just you. let them out to 30,000 people while we're on the air, Jason? <laughs> I got nothing to hide. What are you <laughs> but uh, I will say you said it ends on November 3rd? Venus leaves. Uh, but the Mercury retrograde goes for 21 days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, now I'm, I'm, I'm dragging you in the conversation, kid. You, you were raised Muslim. Does yeah. all this talk, anything culturally about you being a Muslim that gets pushed when we're having talks like this? I'm just curious. No, not at all. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't care. <laughs> a true American well, millennial. Yeah, astrology has a deep has also has a deep history within the Middle East as well. I mean, it, it's been global. It, yeah, but, yeah, definitely. 
Wow. Uh, I, I'm just curious about my guess what their zodiac sign. I'm Libra. What are you, Tyler? I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm Pisces. Ah. ah. David? I'm Aquarius. Aquarius. Jason? You're Scorpio. Scorpio. Taurus. Oh, you're Taurus. so dangerous. Oh, my God. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many Tauruses have broken my heart over the years. You've been uh, broken by every sign. <laughs> and the Leos are the worst. The Leos are the worst. Oh, how many relationships I've been in with Taurus and Leo. God help me. God well, Leo's help me. the pride of the Zodiac, right? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. very prideful. And so Tauruses are also very stubborn and prideful. So it can be definitely... I mean, the relationship I'm actually in right now, we're both double Tauruses, oh. right? Born in the first declination of Taurus. So it's been a very interesting journey because we're both stubborn and we both, and we also come from stubborn cultures as well. So we have that double stubborn, but it's actually been really great. So the the cards of the Tara, there's uh, 78, I don't even know. Correct, yeah. 70, oh, 70. Look at me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. Impressive. Yes. Future ding, 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 reader right yeah, here. Right here. <laughs> um, the four suits. Yes. As you will the yep. the wands the cups the swords and I forgot the fourth uh, the coins the what the coins coins yeah. coins did that go on to become spades clubs hearts and diamonds the, there's a lot of conflict about that but playing cards did actually originate right before but tarot like I said was originally designed to be a card game. But there's a lot of conflict from historians back and forth about which came first. But everything that I've seen says that the playing cards came first. And, and some of the cards have some, sp the lovers, yeah. you know, death, so, wands are the, the devil. Wands, I break it down into groups. They all have jobs, right? So wands are the thinking part of the deck, right? They control paths forward, the thought, and all that stuff. Cups control emotions and hearts. Coins control abundance. And swords control action and war. So they all have to do things, and they all work together within the tarot deck. And then we have the trump cards, which is going to be the lovers, the king, or the the emperor, the empress, and those all have very specific meanings as well. Marcus, we are almost out of time. If people want to get learn more about you and your readings, where do they find you? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram, Barrington41, or they can check out my website, MarcusBarrington.com, and that is Marcus with a K, not a C. Okay. Tyler, what's happening at the cemetery in the upcoming uh, days of Halloween? Well, if you can believe it, this Sunday we will be showing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. <laughs> I think that's too much even for me, it's so I'm not going to be there. But please join us for Dia de los Muertos on November 2nd. And as you just said, the veil between the living and the dead will be almost open. So come on over. And David, you're starting your 20, your 30 city tour for 30 your book. cities, yes. You can find that info at grief.com and my social media. Look for I am David Kessler and you'll find me there. Awesome. Gang, when we come back, we'll have closing and concluding remarks. Thanks for tuning in to the All Hallows Eve show here on Channel Q. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.
Well, gang, what an incredible show that was, man. We lifted the veil here on the oh, sidebar, didn't definitely. we, Jason? Okay, so Jared Hill is just joining us. His show is up next. Jared, you're not going to believe what happened. We were having a talk about the uh-huh. other side, and all of a sudden, all one, two, three, four, five of us heard this ghostly apparition. I'm not kidding. Come on. I'm no, not, I'm not no, kidding. No. This low rumble. <laughs> it was like a vibration. We had just played Sympathy with the devil by mick jagger okay so and, you called that in yeah, no. that's what you did and we have a medium on the show yes and he was like you know talking about aura and all of it we had a, we had a ghost in the show now i know the skeptics that are listening are saying oh my god john you're losing your mind but okay <laughs> <laughs> did you prank me no i didn't because <laughs> i thought he pranked me no because the I producers looked. do that all the time like our producer uh justin and, and uh emmy they love to like just throw a sound in the middle of a conversation yeah. so I, I totally get the skepticism <laughs> well see and that's i looked over at jason like what are you doing and then i noticed his hands weren't on the board and i'm like and he's looking at me like i don't know what's yeah during the vibration just we were just hearing it through our headsets and it was like Maybe something somebody was trying to speak to us. I don't know. It sounded like someone was trying to nudge Sounds us from beyond. I mean, it was. We're curious whether Can it you got hear recorded. the look on my face. Yes, yeah, you're like you guys. Um, are, you so guys well, are crazy. No, no, I'm more so worried about like, did you leave something in here? Because yeah. I got I got two hours to do in here. <laughs> yes, you got a new guest. A co-host. Only, exactly <laughs> right. Dude, this is gonna be like, what mic am I turning on? What are we <laughs> gonna leave a little ghostly residue behind? <laughs> exactly, <for you>. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was really amazing, but that's what happened. Very okay. cool. You, you <laughs> need to stop. That? You need to stop pranking me, man. Jason is Jason's a comedian now. You are evil. But I did you do that low rumbly thing in my ear? No, no, that wasn't me. John. Okay. That wasn't me. Okay. Well, all I know is all five of us heard it at the same time. I'm a little skeptical now, Jason. Yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm just saying. Okay. Wow, Jason. We were talking, Jarrett, about because um, uh, the conversation we were having, which is about spirits and the other side. That conversation, you would have been killed in medieval times for mm. even having it. Mm-hmm. And the word faggot, which mm-hmm. means bundle of sticks, yeah. is a reference to how they used to burn witches and warlocks at the stake, and they'd start the fire with a faggot. Interesting. And that, witches and warlocks in medieval times were often gay and lesbian people. They were gender fluid, they didn't fit in, they were odd, they were masculine you women were or feminine men. You such a amazing encyclopedia. <laughs> So, I didn't know any of this. I know, right? Yeah. So on our show earlier this week, we had a conversation about the words that have been banned that we wish we could have back. And faggot was one of them. And we talked about like the background on the word and what it actually means. And yeah. like, we had a, a few different conversations about words. And so it's interesting that you're talking about this on your show. Well, and this is why I tell people, Halloween is the LGBT holiday. We take back the night. We are the children of the night. We are crossing over the veil. We are intersecting with the dead. And we are the living in the dead. And it's just our holiday. Wow, Absolutely. you make it so much more interesting to be gay than just hooking up with guys, right? <laughs> it's right? more than just grinding. Yes, it is. It's more than it just grinding, Jared. All right, we got to tune out now, uh, gang, <laughs> because I'm being grinded as we speak. No, we are going to tune out. Next week, we're going to have our All Souls Day show, and, and we're going to have uh, Michael Weinstein, who's somebody who I remember from the early days of ACT UP, who went on to create the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and uh, Lloyd Coleman, and special guest with Lloyd about the closing ceremony for Studio One. It's going to shut its doors for the last time. Wow, okay. I know. But uh, gang, have a very happy holiday. Halloween, whatever you do, please be safe wherever you're out partying. And uh, we will see you all on All Souls Day after All Hallows Eve. And uh, if the, 
be careful because the ghost may follow you home. Or, or at least Jason. Or at least Jason will follow you home. <laughs> you never know. Okay. If I find out, kid, you prank me today, I'm going to get even. It wasn't me, John. <laughs> okay. All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. We'll see you next week.